All right, open your Bibles with me to two passages, Hebrews chapter 1 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who, being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So if you look at verse 3, who being the brightness of His glory. Now, we have all, I think, any of us who are familiar with the Scriptures, know about the glory of God. How many of you have heard that phrase, the glory of God? And I think that the brightness of His glory, I think that a lot of people, and myself included, we have had many different ideas about what that is. What is the brightness of the glory of God? And we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to go through the Scriptures and discern what is the brightness of the glory of God. Now, we do know, the Bible says, no man has seen God at any time. No man can see God and live. The reason we can't see God and live is because of the brightness of His glory. It would kill us. Why? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. What is the glory of God? It's not the fact that He is the Creator, though He is. It's not the fact that He could destroy the world with a look, and He can. It's not, none of that is His glory. His glory is His absolute holiness and perfection. That's His glory. His absolute holiness, righteousness, and perfection. That is His glory. The Bible says in John 1, we beheld His glory. How was that possible? We're going to look at that this morning. What we do know is in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says this, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness. What did God do from the beginning? What God had to do, knowing that man would fall and that sin would enter into the world, God had to shield His glory. And He did that, the Bible says, with the firmament. He spread the firmament. So if you look and you get past our solar system, all you see is darkness. Absolute darkness. That darkness is the firmament that God spread to hide His glory and to shield His glory. The Bible says that he wraps himself or he clothes himself, himself in dark clouds. The Bible says that even today we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. We can't see him face to face right now because of sin. We could not endure the brightness of his glory. The Bible's very clear on that. So from the beginning, he had to shield that glory. Now, God constructed the world in such a way as to shield us from that, to protect us. And we know that when Satan fell, and then he led men into sin, and Adam and Eve, they followed him, and that God entered into this world in a very special way. Remember, he would come and walk with them. The Bible says the voice of God would come and walk with man in the cool of the day. 
the voice of God. That's Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Bible here in Hebrews chapter 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the voice of God. He's the Word of God. So God Himself created man. He shielded man from His glory because man couldn't endure it. And He would come and walk with him in the cool of the day. But man went into sin. And what did God do? God came and sought for them. He came and searched for Adam and Eve after they had fallen. Their eyes had been opened. They understood their own nakedness and their own need. And God came and clothed them in coats of skins, teaching us that sin requires the shedding of blood. And so for 4,000 years, no one could see God's glory. No one could see it. The only way that a man could see God was by absolute faith. Only faith. Think about that. You remember what the Bible says in the book of Job? Job understood that, that no matter what he did, there is no daysman, he said, betwixt God and man. There is no one who could lay his hand on God and lay his hand on me. That was Job's experience. That's not our experience, is it? Because God chose to enter into His creation in the most amazing and in the most wonderful way. What He did was He took on the most remarkable disguise. The glory of God appeared on this earth in a tiny little human body. There was a baby born, a tiny little human born and wrapped in swaddling clothes and He laid in a manger. And I want you to think about something. For 30 years, for that, ba- that baby was put in the manger. Then the baby took his first, swad- his first toddling steps. And he would go on into the carpenter's shop and grow and learn and play with his brothers and sisters. And through all of that, he never sinned one time. No sin. Never. Can you imagine? How many of you have brothers and sisters? Can you imagine, can you imagine having a brother or sister that never sinned? How about this? Can you imagine having a brother and sister living with you and you not sinning? Because I can tell you, nobody can push my buttons like my sisters. You know what I mean? I can be walking in the Spirit. I can be living for God. I can be doing everything. I go and visit my sisters and I'm ready to kill somebody in 15 minutes. Any of you with me? Right? Oh, you know my sisters. No, no, I'm kidding. It is, it is so interesting that Jesus Christ, and more than interesting, it's fascinating, it's remarkable, it's unbelievable, that Jesus Christ could live that sinless life and then be rejected. What happened? God, according to the Word of God, came in the flesh. And for three And a half years after his ministry began at the wedding at Cana, for three and a half years, Jesus Christ, with human lips, spoke the words of God. And what was he doing when he spoke the words of God? He was revealing the brightness and the glory of the Godhead. Look at what the text says, Hebrews 1. Let's look at it again. God, 
who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days... Now, I'm reminded of this, and I read it for the first time, I don't know, 25 years ago. The commentator John Phillips in his commentary, Exploring Hebrews... He talks about all that God had said to the prophets, all that God had said to Moses, all God said to Joshua, all that God said to to Jacob, and all that God said to Isaiah and Daniel and Habakkuk and Zephaniah and all of these people, all that God had said. But there remained so much more to say. And so he came. And look at what it says. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, he didn't need help, did he? When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, someone might say, I thought God, if God was going to show us His glory, I thought He'd do some mighty thing. What, like create the heavens and the earth? I thought He'd do something great, like hanging the sun, the moon, and the stars. I like the way the Bible says, and He made the stars also. Yeah, He did that too. I thought He'd do something great. How about He made every fish, every species. He made everything. I thought He'd do something great. See, he did all that and men still rejected him. So what did he do? He came himself and he spoke. He did all of it and men still rejected him. They sinned against him. I want you to think about what happened. So God intervenes with Adam and Eve. He himself makes coats of skins for them. And he drives them from the garden, not as a curse, but to protect them from the tree of life because he didn't want them to eat of the tree of life and live forever in a state of sin. That mercy, they had experienced all of it. Do you remember, God brought all the animals to Adam to name them. They had seen everything that God can do. And yet they still sinned. And with all that they had sinned, or with all that they had seen... They couldn't convince Cain to follow God. Now, I'm glad that Abel did. And I'm glad that Seth did. But Cain did not. Why? Because he had bad parents? No. Because his heart was sinful. His heart was sinful. The Bible says it's not that which enters into a man that defiles a man, but that which proceedeth out of him. So what did Cain have? Cain had a sinful heart, and he was not willing to submit to the God who had created him. Look at Noah. No one, I don't know that there is anyone who has ever lived who was a personal witness of the power, the majesty, the amazing wrath and justice of God in the way that Noah was. Noah got to see God judge the entire earth and destroy the whole earth with a flood. And then, just as in creation, he got to see God recreate an earth that he could live in in 40 days. He got to see all of that. And you can't hardly turn a page before he's drunk and his son is cursed. The children of Israel, they see, they witness God raining down ten plagues upon the nation of Egypt. 
They saw amazing things. They, and then God brings a million and a half people out of Egypt without a dog barking. Then they get to the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea and they all cross over on dry land. And then the, the, nation, the, the, the armies of Pharaoh come after them and God drowns the army of Pharaoh in the Red Sea and God delivers them in a very special way. They saw the hand of God in a visible and powerful and personal way, in a way that you and I have never, ever seen. And only two of them made it into the promised land because they didn't believe. If you look at the history of the Bible, in Genesis, you have 25 or 30 people through 1,500 years of history that believe God. Through uh, Exodus, through Deuteronomy, you have just a small, a very small handful who even make it into the promised land because they don't believe God. And they saw God. They, what, what did they see? God dropped manna from heaven every day. He, got, he had water come from a rock. He had the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They experienced the very presence of Almighty God. They saw Him speak to, to Moses on top of the mountain. And when Moses came down, they couldn't even look at Him because of what was in his, on His face. They saw every bit of it and they rejected God. They died in the wilderness. Only two of them made it in. That's the history of mankind. The prophets come and the prophets do amazing miracles. They see chariots of fire. They see people killed with locusts and killed with hornets. God can wipe out 186,000 people by one angel in one night. God can do all of that. And they saw it and they still didn't believe. They rejected. Look at all of the kings of Israel and kings and chronicles. And there are only two or three or four that followed God and did great things. And the rest were utter reprobates. That is the history of man seeing and experiencing the power of Almighty God. Jesus Christ Himself comes and walks on earth, and they nailed Him to the cross. His apostles, for a little while, are able to do miracles, and then that ends. And at the end of those miracles, you know what you have? 120 people in the world. And so what did God do? He spoke. He spoke. And God said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reveal myself in a very special way. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 1. You know what I think about? You know that people today are saying, well, I would believe God if He would reveal Himself to me in a miraculous way. How many of you have ever heard somebody say that? Christopher Hitchens said, if you would write Christopher Hitchens in the sky. Do you know what the greatest miracle in the world is? That He loves you. Think about that. That the God who has been rejected loves you and loves me. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation, that's the making plain, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now look at what it says. But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost. How has God revealed Himself? He's revealed Himself through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Scriptures. Do you all agree with that? Okay. Now look at what it says. 
But if our gospel be hid, verse 3, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom? That's the lost. The God of this world, that's Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the what? The light of the what? Glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. What is the brightness and the glory of God? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What God did was, He said, I have revealed myself in power. I've revealed myself as the creator. I've revealed myself as the judge. I have revealed myself as almighty and all powerful. And the world rejected it. I'm going to reveal myself through the death, burial, and resurrection of my son. And I'm going to communicate that message through my people. Where is the brightness and the glory of God right now? It's in you if you're saved. It is in us. Look at what it says. Verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Now look what it says in verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. What does it say? In the face of Jesus Christ. And then look at where we have it. Look at the next verse. But we have this treasure. What treasure? The light of the glorious gospel. The light of Christ that God has shown in our hearts. But we have this treasure in earthen Vessels, that's your body, that the excellency of the power of God, or that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God decided to show us His glory. And then, if you're saved, God has hidden that glory in you. And how is the world ever going to see that glory? Can you imagine? You walk into the mall and you just say, look at me. I have the glory of God. They're going to call the police and lock you up. How are they going to know when you take the word of God and you speak the gospel of of Jesus Christ to them. That is God's plan. I want you to think about something. We've talked about it. Genesis. 1,500 years of human history, 25 or 30 people believe. Exodus through Deuteronomy. you got two that make it in. It's unbelievable when you see everything that happened through the wilderness. You go through the kings and the judges and all of those things that happen. You go through all of the prophets and they go into captivity. Then you have 400 years of darkness. Jesus Christ enters into the world. He walks among them for 33 and a half years. They kill him. And God, what does God do? He gives the church, the New Testament, local assembly. He gives the indwelling Holy Spirit. And he gives the written word of God. And you know what happens? Millions upon millions upon millions of people have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And they're acknowledging Him as Lord. And they're seeing His glory through the Word of God and through the witness of the Holy Spirit in them. 
And do you know what we think? Man, I wish there was a better way to reach people. If only we could see God's power. If only we could see a miracle. If only God would do something great. He did. He saved you. And then He indwelt you. And He gives you the power of God and the Word of God. And we just have to believe it and preach it and live it and tell someone about it. That's the power of God in us. We have it. And we feel so weak. And we get so discouraged and we think it's not working. I want you to think about something. We've had more than 60 people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ this summer. That's more than we have recorded in the book of Genesis for 1,500 years. God is doing amazing things in us and in you and in through you. He's done it for us. And we say, God, show us your glory. Show us your glory. And He said, I did but we want something else. And we think, you know, I give the gospel and no one believes, and I give the gospel and no one believes. That's not true. Not everyone believes, but some do. Your responsibility is to speak it. Their responsibility is to receive it. God's promise is to save. What a wonderful thing. See, it's not the strength of His arm that saves us. It's not His creatorship that saves us. It's not His ability to part the Red Sea or to drop manna from heaven that saves us. It is the fact that the Son of God died on the cross to pay for my sin. That is the, the revelation of the brightness of His glory. And I get to experience that. What an amazing God we have. Let's see how this works. Look at Revelation chapter 1. The brightness of His glory. Revelation chapter 1, look at verse 16. The Apostle John is taken to heaven and he gets to see Jesus Christ. Verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance, look at what it says, was as the sun. Do you see that? His countenance was as the sun shineth in its strength. So when the sun is its brightest, that's what his face looked like. And this is what John did, and it's what you would do. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. That's the brightness of his glory. That's our Savior. How bright is he? Look at Revelation chapter 21. Look at verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. You see, when Jesus Christ reveals His light, you don't need the sun. You don't need the moon. You don't need the stars. You don't need any of it. Jesus Christ can reveal it. I'll show you how He did this in the past. Look at Acts chapter 9.
Look at verse 1. And Saul, and this is who would become the Apostle Paul, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priests, or unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if any be found of this way, what way? It's the way, the truth, and the life, those who are following Christ. Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Can you imagine what that sounded like? In another account, it sounded like thunder. The men couldn't understand the words, but they heard this rumbling of God. Verse 5, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Drop down to verse 9. And it was three days, and, and he was three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. What happened? What happened? Jesus Christ revealed a little bit of his brightness to him. And it knocked him to the ground and it made him blind. And you say, well, he just looked up into the sun. Let's see if that's what happened. Look at Acts chapter 26. Look at verse 9. So Acts 9 is the historical account of it. Acts 26 is the apostle Paul giving his testimony. Verse 9, he says, I verily... That's truly, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. You see, did you, did you hear that? Did you read that? The apostle Paul spoke against them so that they were killed, the followers of Jesus Christ. And I punished them, in verse 11, and I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them, I, per I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. Now look at what it says. At midday, where is the sun at midday? It's at its highest point. Has anyone here ever been to the Middle East? Have you been there? That midday sun in the Middle East, it's different than in Sydney, Ohio. It's very bright. And look at what happens. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. What happened? The sun was there, but the sun, S-O-N, is brighter than the sun, S-U-N. And that's what he saw. That is the brightness of of His glory, the brightness of His glory. Today, the glory of God is shining in heaven, but it's veiled by the firmament. He came in a body, but the light could not be seen. The light's come to dwell in every one of us, but it's not visible because we have to speak it. It's important to understand that miracles don't win people. The love of God wins people. Every once in a while, 
God chooses to show a little bit of His glory, a little bit of His brightness. He could do it with the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road. He could do it with John so that John could write the book of Revelation. He can show it a little bit. One of these days, do you know what God's going to do? God's going to, to pull back the heavens. He's going to pull back the firmament. The sun's going to be darkened. The moon's going to be turned to blood. The Bible says the, the, the earth will be shaken and the stars are going to fall from the heavens like, a, like olives or like figs. From, from the, when, the, when the tree is shaken, the stars are going to fall. And they're going to see Jesus Christ is going to step out. And He's going to be on a white horse. And His brightness is going to be revealed. And I want you to think about what the Bible says. And every eye shall see. What is every eye going to see? Is every eye going to see Jesus Christ's body? Is every eye going to see the horse? No, they're going to see His brightness. The brightness of His glory. That's our Savior. That's who He is. Now I want you to think about something. What is the brightness and the glory of God? You know, the Bible told us what that is all the way back in the book of Exodus. Look at Exodus chapter 33. Moses is talking with God, and the Bible says he spoke with him as a friend face to face. Isn't that amazing? And look at what it says in verse 18. Exodus 33, verse 18. So this is Moses, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. You've heard people sing, people sing songs about that. Show us your glory, God, show us your glory. And that's usually people who just don't know the Bible. Okay? But look at what it says. And he said, I beseech you. Can I just say this? When you ask God to show you his glory, if you really understood what you're saying, you're saying, okay, God, kill me. Right? But our God is gracious. If you said, show me your glory, look at what he's going to do. Verse 18 again, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee and will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So Moses said, show me your glory. And God showed him his glory. Do you know what his glory is? He said, I am good. I am gracious. I'm merciful. That is my glory. When Jesus Christ came to the earth, he was good, wasn't he? He was gracious and he was merciful. When we look at his goodness, grace and mercy, we behold the brightness of his glory. And people say, show me a miracle. Let me show you a miracle. Has God been good to you? Has God been gracious to you? Has God been merciful to you? Then you've seen a miracle every day of your life. That's the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much for showing us your glory.